Welcome to the We Are Human Leaders podcast. I am Alexis Zana, and together with my co-host Sally Clark, today we're exploring the concept of mindful leadership with Mandar Apti. This conversation shares a new perspective on the power leadership can have in creating positively impactful organizations that can act as vehicles for change and peace in our world. As leaders tune into their purpose and align with more empathic and mindful leadership styles, business can shift focus from being profit-centered to true drivers of positive global change. It all begins with us. At Human Leaders, this speaks to our pillar of leading others, an opportunity for leaders to become more aware of their impact on those around them, choose mindful communication over reactivity to drive more connection in their teams. Mandar Apti is joining us from Mumbai, India for this conversation, where he currently manages the Cities for Peace initiative that actively promotes peace and nonviolence in cities worldwide. Prior to this, Mandar was a scholar at George Mason University and also managed Shell's prestigious Game Changer social innovation program, investing in ideas that create shared value, business value and social impact. For nearly two decades, Mandar has taught leadership programs using meditation practices for the International Association of Human Values. Mandar won the inaugural League of Entrepreneurs Award for his work to facilitate an innovation learning program using meditation practice at Shell to over 2,000 colleagues. This conversation was deeply empowering and moving. We hope you enjoy it. Let's dive in. Thank you so much for joining us today on We Are Human Leaders, Mandar, and we're really excited to share with you the the breathing exercise that you're going to guide us through after our conversation today. To get started, we'd love to hear a little bit about your journey and the experiences that have brought you to the incredible work that you do today in social innovation. You know, my corporate life began about uh, 22 years ago. Uh, when I joined a small oil company called Shell in Houston, Texas. I started a very beautiful initiative in 2003, uh, an employee initiative called the AWARE initiative. And the acronym AWARE stands for At Work as Responsible Employees to bring self-awareness at the workplace, self-mastery at the workplace. Again, this was... More than 20 years ago, none of this was uh, part of Shell's vocabulary. So we had a lot of friction, friction from our bosses, friction from our own teammates, because nobody brings meditation and yoga at work. But I kind of weathered that storm. I, uh, I remember I had very bad end of year reviews. But I still persisted. I said, okay, uh, I can change where I work. But the challenges will still be the same. So why don't I stay and go through the challenge of, you know, uh, not convincing people, but influencing them through the work, through the experiences. I used to teach meditation during lunch hour. And in the beginning, janitors used to come, security guards used to come. And uh, that is where the aware network actually became, uh, you know, like the in thing for people that are on the fringe because many companies have these rebels right so we created a network of about six shell operating units london uh, uh, perth 
Rio de Janeiro, Amsterdam, Houston, Bangalore. And we collected about 400 employees that were doing yoga meditation in their personal life, but they never brought it up at the workplace. So the aware network became a channel for them to express themselves. And so, you know, through these um, years at Shell, uh, I was then blessed to meet my then boss, now friend, uh, the head of the innovation program called Game Changer. So Game Changer is the flagship innovation program at Shell. And the mandate of the program is to disrupt, is to create uh, investments in ideas that are about the future, uh, future of energy. And so he said to me that innovation is also about mindset and just giving money to the entrepreneurs that we invest in is not enough. Can you create a program that uses meditation as the chocolate and the wrapper on the chocolate is innovation and creativity? So I literally jumped out of my chair in that interview and I said, are you kidding me? You want me to bring my passion at work? So he said, yes, calm down. It's only 10% of your time. Your job will remain a portfolio manager, like game changer program manager. But uh, you can use 10% of your time to create an educational experience. I taught 2,000 people at Shell in less than two years. And that is because he invited me to express my, my passion at work, right? So... I had a, I would say, a sweet spot in my life. I trained people in Shell Australia, Shell Brazil, Shell UK, Shell Holland, Shell India. Um, and I met some wonderful people that also are uh, technical professionals like me, but they have not thought about the role of the social and mental skills. Innovation is not just a technical process. It's a very social and emotional process and uh, you know every entrepreneur every entrepreneur whether it's social entrepreneur or not we go through ups and downs because we are pioneering things uh, you may have a self-doubt like you know nobody is joining what should I do so meditation practices will help any entrepreneur rejuvenate their mojo I would say right so your mojo gets rejuvenated by an internal boost of energy external mojo because people that we deal with as change makers are always doubting us are always blaming us are always telling us to stop what we are doing this could even include our own parents and family members right it doesn't have to be people in the outside world so how do you deal with this uh, external pressure and again that is where meditation practice has helped me tremendously yeah i have to jump in if that's okay mandara because i have i mean i have so many uh, thoughts and questions that come up as you share your journey. It sounds uh, to me like there's a real sense of determination uh, about what you do, a real conviction of the the impact that meditation and yoga practices can have uh, on us as individuals and, and almost the necessity that there is to integrate that. I think we, you explained, and I think I've seen that a lot in my own career too, this kind of separation between work is work and maybe in private we have a yoga and meditation practice, but never the two shall meet, and the two have nothing to do with one another. Another, whereas you know, I think what you spoke to, you know, as technical professionals, and I think for many professionals, these social and mental skills are essential to our 
our success in our role, but also our, our fulfillment as human beings. And I'm curious in those moments when you were getting some some pushback, perhaps uh, on these programs. Uh, can you speak a little bit more to that sense of sort of deeper conviction that you had about the uh, the importance of these practices in in that environment? So yoga meditation practices help you to uh, accept what is going on, not just the word accept, but really feel it. And uh, at a po- at a certain point, you realize that oh my God, had I access to this knowledge of inner peace, I would not have got into trouble in the first place. Right, so with the inner peace comes a grace, comes a skill, uh, communication skill, relationship management skill, uh, and an intuitive feeling comes dawns in you as a as an experience of what is right, what is wrong, who is good for me to hang out with. Like all these are experiences of a practitioner of yoga meditation, and I also had those experiences. And uh, in parallel to that life, I was working in technical projects, designing oil and gas platforms and, uh, you know, meeting people who seemingly are PhD, uh, whatever, head of uh, oil and gas drilling programs, like all these senior people. But I felt that uh, they are emotionally very weak. They are, they are not able to empathize. They want uh, to be a leader, but... They have not been trained in building one inherent capacity of a leader is to be empathetic and compassionate. If you want to get people to work for you, if you are expressing your negative emotions all the time, like you are frustrated, you are angry, you are sad, you are blaming other people. We have to learn to deal with this internal pressure, external pressure. And I realized that people at Shell are not evil. People are not evil. Just like the oil industry is, you know, looked down upon. I didn't meet a single person on the drilling rig who wants to pollute the world. They were just simple people like me. They had a family. They wanted to take their kids to the movies. And so that is where I felt a need to bring this wisdom of yoga, meditation, or even India, if you want to extend it, and apply that wisdom to help real people. You know, that is where I started thinking about, hey, can I be a change agent? Can I be a bridge between that ancient tradition, which even I don't know much about, but it has helped me in my personal life. Can I be a conduit for being meaningful at work? If you are marketing something or if you are, you know, selling something, uh, you have to be fully convinced in your product. That's uh, sales 101. Like, conviction in your product and so once that conviction comes there is no stopping you because you know it and in my evenings and weekends I was teaching American soldiers who were coming back from the war in Iraq and Afghanistan I was going to abused women centers in Houston I was sharing this wisdom with women who have been abused domestically so I knew that hey it not only helped me in my own life issues it's helping everyone that I'm teaching. So why not I bring that at work? Because I'm spending 9 to 10 hours at work. 
you mentioned that this for you started in 2003, which is quite a long time ago. It's, 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 it's almost impossible not to break ground and have resistance. Um, it's part of the process. So we're really glad you persevered. And I just wanted to make comment about something I heard you mention, and then I'll ask a question. The first thing I heard you mention was that you worked with a lot of people that had a really high level of technical expertise and that, that, in Shell at the time sounded like how people deemed leaders to be competent and or, um, you know, worthwhile of being in a leadership position. And this was fascinating because you then went on to say that your belief is that empathy, compassion, and, and um, those sorts of what we would call soft skills still, we're calling them soft skills, I'd like to call them core competencies, um, are critical in managing people. And, you know, I absolutely agree with that. And I think the challenge is that when we have that high level of technical expertise, often it gets leaned on um, as an excuse for not having the other things. And I think we're now seeing a really critical shift in the way we lead to be really making sure that people have a well-rounded approach to leadership. And I think certainly we now know that millennials are the largest demographic in the labor force, and they're absolutely demanding that leadership shift and lead differently and recognize and honor the humanness in all of us. So I thought that was a very important point um, just to make there. But something else I wanted to dive into, and it's, I know we've, we've actually um, sort of set this conversation up so that we had some structure, but I heard you say something and I can't not ask the question. And, you know, you were, you were, (laughs) you're talking about, you know, fostering innovation at Shell. And, I hear this word innovation a lot. I hear a lot of companies and a lot of leaders say, you know, we need to be more innovative. We need to be able to shift the way we do things to be innovative. But I don't always see the working conditions and the space created for that to be the case. And the reason I say that is that creativity is a precursor to innovation. And we know that if our brains are in a stress state, if we're time poor, if we are pressured, overwhelmed by work, we simply cannot be in a creative flow state and therefore we cannot be building innovative organizations. And I just wanted to know, perhaps, Manda, did that introduction to mindfulness and the AWARE program at Shell, did you see a change in innovation in the company and or in that Game Changers program when those younger or um, you know establishing entrepreneurs were introduced to some of these concepts? Yes, so let me uh, address. It's a it's a loaded question, and I you are you are spot on. Uh, let me first address the leadership side of it. Uh, you know, today uh, you don't need to work for anybody at all. You can start your own business, go online, raise your money, get your venture started. So today's workforce doesn't need to work for a boss who is angry, upset, sad pressures, claims, makes you feel guilty. Nobody will work for you. Or even if they work for you, they will not put their 100% in it because they have their, something else is their passion and they're just working for you for their money. So leaders today, especially after the pandemic, uh, are looking for new ways of uh, sustaining their business because many businesses have failed, have crashed. And leaders that are forward thinking are looking for what else they should be doing uh, as an organization to thrive in the world post-pandemic. Leaders cannot say, I will attend a program at Harvard that tells me how to deal with the (laughs) post-pandemic. 
there is no such program <laughs> so that uh, leader has to include the people that work for him or her and when will an employee share a radical new idea is when they feel a certain sense of belonging to the leader and the organization if i don't feel a sense of belonging why will i share a great idea with you you don't respect me so that is where leaders need to find that inner calm inner peace for themselves first because changing anyone doesn't happen by telling someone hey you should change 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 management needs to be role model right you need to role model the change so leaders today better awaken that they have a huge responsibility the world is a connected organism everything is connected so the actions of a leader or a change maker in one part of the world will affect so many ripple effect families that people work for you so that that's the leadership angle uh, and leadership needs to experience compassion experience empathy not just read a book it's not a left brain logical thing that okay today i will be compassionate you know i will repeat it 10 times and i will be compassionate no you need to learn how to activate the right side of the brain and all this has been proven by neuroscience that there is a certain side of the brain that has not been developed and you can develop it through music through art and of course meditation yoga practice also but it's a personal responsibility for every leader the second uh, thing you raised is even more important is innovation because uh, you know innovation uh, i feel is uh, is missing from the leaders training from the leaders uh, vocabulary you may be a vice president of innovation at a company but why why did you get there why did you get promoted to be a senior leader most likely you kept your boss happy you managed your project under budget under time you win you won the confidence of your boss you got promoted which tells me that you did not take any risk you did not cause you did not fail and uh, that means uh, you don't know the 101 of innovation is failure so innovation comes with failure it's a tail associated with that dog right you can't separate the two so how much failure are you encouraging from your own uh, team from your own people from you yourself right you we want to be perfect all the time perfect perfect but in that uh, you know search for perfection uh, we are not keeping that innocent i tried it it failed and it's okay space and that's where companies i think need to transform themselves is uh, number one they are not encouraging failure and number two there is no space that they are creating for hey come let's have a failure lab <laughs> right at the end of the year uh, we are not celebrating our failures and we are not asking in our performance did you try something new show me where you failed right we are not encouraging such behavior so i think that is where we need to look inward and uh, really look at uh, creativity and innovation because that's the only way we can thrive and make a better world not just make money but also to make a better world uh, is we have to be innovative we have to learn 
how to fail. To go into that a little bit more, Amanda, I you you mentioned earlier the idea that leaders who lead with a sense of purpose and you had that experience yourself with your boss at the time, you felt more connected to them. And as a result of that, you felt like you could express your whole self at work. And I just wanted to dive into this notion of purpose a little bit more because we hear a lot about it in business right now. Um, And certainly, as we've spoken to, we're hearing a lot more about this at an individual level. And again, we look at millennials and now Gen Z entering the workforce People want to be connected to purpose in their work. They don't want to just show up to work every day for a paycheck. That level of extrinsic motivation simply isn't doing it for people anymore. So can you help us with that a little bit more? What role does purpose play in leadership and how can leaders ensure that they are actively living and leading from their own purpose? I think purpose for me, is uh, like when you were asked when you were a kiddo, yeah, hey, what would you like to be? And you, you, you may have said, I want to be the ice cream vendor. Okay, after a few years, what do you want to be? I want to be the engine driver. I want to be the aeroplane pilot, right? So your mission in life changed. Uh, and so should your purpose. Purpose is not a destination. It's a journey to be explored and the question we should ask is what else can be my purpose because that is where the innovation can come in and that is when you cannot uh, box or limit yourself because you have infinite potential and if you are stuck with doing one thing as an organization or a leader or a person by asking this question what else can be my purpose every now and then maybe not every day but every few months yeah hey what am i doing with my time what else can i be doing because you know sadly trees and rocks have a longer shelf life on the planet than we do purpose needs to be repurposed it needs to be recalibrated it needs to be reimagined So don't get hung up on the word purpose also. It's uh, contentment. I think contentment is a better word. What do you feel contented to do now? Do it. Until you feel, okay, bored and I want to do something else. Okay, do it. So at every point, don't uh, feel that this moment is not perfect. This moment is perfect. And I'm striving for the next moment of perfection. And it's a difficult journey and I'm willing to take that journey. And all I need is one person in my life, an Alexis in my life that says, Mandar, go for it. That's all you need. You don't need much when you are, you know, rediscovering or reimagining. Reading books, yes, it can help, but it, it, it has to be from an inner space, you know. And uh, finally, our highest purpose is, I think, to promote peace. That is what I feel is uh, peace not just absence of war but peace as love as compassion as happiness as contentment it's beautiful Manda, and i think we'll come back to peace specifically in a moment but i feel like when you're talking about this um this journey of purpose there's the word that comes to mind for me is awareness and being aware and that constant sort of tuning in to self 
in order to really connect with what is my purpose and being able to step away from perhaps comparison with others or expectations of, that others might have of us to really connect with our inner peace and our inner inner purpose. And I, I was wondering if you could speak to how that, and particularly for leaders, how practices like meditation and mindfulness might be able to help us uh, connect with that purpose and and with indeed with with sort of awareness more generally. Yeah, um, f- beautiful question. I think that should be the purpose of every leader: is how can I be more aware, more aware, more aware, more conscious. So that is where mindfulness is a trap. Actually, it's uh, it's the wrong word. It was invented to avoid using the word meditation. So when you meditate, you want to be mindless, not mindful. Because meditation is the art of doing nothing. So mindfulness meditation is whatever that figure of speech is, it's polar opposites. When you are mindful, what you eat, okay, mindfully I'm eating, mindfully I'm taking one step, the next step. It's a lot of effort. Mindlessness makes you more innocent, makes you more carefree, makes you more light and loving. So that's one thing I always tell my American friends is uh, mindfulness meditation. uh -uh. Just call it meditation or just call it I want to be happy. And uh, second uh, thing what you asked is, uh, you know, how can the meditation practices help? Actually, it's the breath that helps. So the breath is the link between your body and your mind. Mind we have not seen. Nobody has seen the mind. But we know that it vacillates. It goes in the past. It goes in the future. It has doubts. It has feelings. So when we use our breath... It is like flying a kite. The kite has a string and the string is in your hand. And the longer the thread, the longer the string, the more control you have on the kite. Same is true with the mind. The more, the longer your breath, the more calm and peaceful your mind is in the present moment. This science is two-way science. Like imagine when you have some emotion, let's say it's anger. The breath immediately has changed to a fast short breath when you are feeling sad when you are feeling low the breath already has shrunk and you are sighing right but when the mind the emotions are positive joyful let's say you are on the beach you are having you know an ice cream you are with friends you are with your grandkids you will notice your breath is from your navel I feel so good. So this is how the breath is linked with the emotions. And it's a two-way traffic. Like as you are talking to me, just take a deep breath from your navel and you will see a smile will come on your face. So this is the science of self-awareness. Is uh, being aware of your breath. Because the breath is not in the past, not in the future. And it has a lot of secrets. One secret I have just shared with you. That using the breath you can manage your emotions. 
and so you know all ancient traditions have uh, grandmothers telling you you know kiddo if you get angry count to 10 okay before you speak and so you may wonder like 10 what's the magic number in 10 so actually what happens is when you count to 10 your mind calms down your breath harmonizes and then your anger has subsided so this wisdom is a universal wisdom and it doesn't matter whether you are man woman indian chinese whatever left brain left handed right handed we can all use this science preserved currently in india but universal uh, and it doesn't include uh, yoga mat it doesn't include upward dog downward dog so you know you don't have to go in the positions of a pretzel or you none, none of this so in america every corner has a yoga studio in most cities but in india there is no yoga studio i am in mumbai i have not seen a yoga studio now for 3 years because here yoga is a mental game it's not a physical game it's not a game that you do for uh, you know reducing your weight or whatever the pretzel or showing off your friends it's more a mental game how do you deal with situations and events and emotions and we all have to learn this science and we have to bring this science in our own communities and organizations because if we don't then violence unfolds violence could be as simple as shouting at someone right or hurting someone through their words or even emails that we write in the corporate world if i copy 20 people on that email it creates turbulence in the person who is reading the email like why did alexis need to copy 20 people on that email she wants to hurt me so all these tendencies are violent tendencies and they can and must be quenched by giving people access to learning how to transform their negative emotion that's it we don't need to teach people how to be peaceful loving that is our nature we just need to teach from childhood how do you manage your negative emotion because when the negative emotion comes it's like a storm and then we say oh my god why did i shout at my mother i'm so sorry i made a mistake my intention was not to hurt you so we should all assume that love is our nature peace is our nature and just learn how to manage our negative emotion mm so so potent there mandar and you know an interesting perspective on mindfulness because i i um have worked with some corporates in mindfulness and I like to think about it in a slightly different way, not necessarily mindlessness, but rather that it's a process of being with what is. So rather than as you said trying to um think about one thing in particular, just trying to be with who and how and 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 where you are in the moment without expectation and without judgment of the inevitable thoughts that come up. Um and something else that I loved loved hearing you speak about and and I'd love to dive into this a little more right now and that's this idea that our true nature is love and peace and I think this seems like a lofty concept for a lot of people but in fact I absolutely resonate with this and I think it's the constructs that we operate in our societies our families our businesses that take us away from our true nature of just being and just loving and just being in peace. I I I believe that to my very soul and 
for a very long time. I think that on a personal level, I was someone who was very cutthroat in my career and um, didn't communicate effectively and didn't emotionally regulate effectively. And as a result, was very prone to reacting to the world around me rather than having an empowered responsiveness to the world around me. And and I just wanted to highlight that because I think what you've said there is so powerful. And I think, as you've said, the practice of meditation and yoga and simply emotional regulation is really an opportunity for us to separate ourselves from our thought and from the perception that the world is making us do things and create that space to take that moment to come back and take our power back and step back into our authentic self, which is love and peace. And I just, it was so potent what you said. And I want to dive into this further because I know that for you, Manda, you really believe that business can be a powerful driver for world peace. And I absolutely think that this is in no way a lofty goal. I am here with you 100% here. And I think that corporations can play a role in achieving peace. And I just wanted to know from you, you know, how do you think this might look? Does this Is this more about leaders finding their own peace and bringing that into how we operate businesses? How, how can businesses truly be a part of driving peace in the world? Well, firstly, you spoke like a meditation teacher. So if you are not uh, already, you should uh, become one, get trained to be one. Because your beliefs and your words are very powerful and uh, you are speaking very wise words. Um, While I was at Shell 10 years ago now, exactly 10 years ago, I recalibrated my own purpose. So I had finished uh, teaching 2000 people how to meditate and I had won an external award. That award got me a meeting with the CEO of Royal Dutch Shell. Uh, this month, 10 years ago, and uh, I went prepared for my next job. So I went there prepared with a position paper uh, that uh, I then influenced him and he created this job for me, is uh, we need to expand the mandate of the Game Changer Innovation Program to look at solving the problems of the world and making money from it also. So not corporate philanthropy, but can we solve the social problems, environmental problems and make money, revenue, return on investment. Uh, And 10 years ago, I created a new job for myself, which I managed this multi-million dollar fund, investment fund for the next uh, four years. And while doing this role, I looked at all kinds of problems, plastics in the ocean, uh, healthcare, lack of access to education, uh, and even violence. And I started designing business models. I started designing business models, of course, through lateral thinking and lateral networks like you, because uh, when you solve a social problem, the value doesn't remain only for, in this case, shell, it's a shared value. So everyone should get involved. I'll give you one example. So uh, 2002, I was a petroleum engineer. I was in Nigeria on an oil and gas field and I was attacked by a mob. I barely survived. I remember that vividly. 
so 2012 when i got my new role mandate to solve social problems i went back to my friends in nigeria and we looked at the business of violence so there is a lot of violence in these communities and uh, we found out that when there is violence the bad actors will siphon the oil from the pipelines and there is a huge black market for that oil so that is where the idea of business for peace started taking birth that okay hey let's promote peace and social harmony in those villages and tribes and you know help people deal with conflict conflict resolution etc etc not just because it's a good thing to do for social impact but the consequence of that will be loss of revenue will be stopped so i brought together a, a congregation of uh, chevron and exxon and the nigerian oil company and uh, created a business case of investing in peace and that is where i started thinking oh my god i have just created a bigger purpose for myself I left shell I left shell with the, of course the blessings of my boss that you know can peace be profitable and that is what I have been doing last 6 years is uh, helping individuals leaders and organizations to reimagine their purpose and what can be their highest purpose so usually sustainable development goals uh, goal number 16 is peace and security and it's never addressed by uh, business so business will now after many years has started investing in climate change planting trees you know whatever those things may be but peace business doesn't go near sdg 16 so that is where you know if we have to do this we have to reimagine peace peace is not just the absence of war and if we then use the the wisdom that you have just shared is hey peace is my nature and everything that you see around you the wars the refugee crisis the domestic abuse the bullying the mass shooting in schools all this is because of people who are not contented people who are not happy people who are not mentally stable if business can play a role in reducing that violence they are also countering and promoting peace there is so much that business can do because politicians worldwide have lost their trust people don't trust politicians and media has also lost the trust i don't know what media story is true i don't know cnn is telling me one story but the other side of the story also exists so what is true i think that is where civil society has to wake up and that is where business is perhaps our only hope because if civil society starts uh, you know saying uh, not buying a certain product because this company does some bad the business is out of business so that is where the pioneering space is for people who are listening for, on this podcast if you are wanting to do something radically different let's explore how can your business reimagine its purpose and promote peace it's so natural i'll give you one more example to get your listeners and you to think 
you know the in thing today is electric cars right people want oh i want electric cars okay what's the ingredient of the electric cars that makes it different from anybody any other car is the battery what's the battery consisting of it consists of lithium ions it consists of precious metals right where do they come from they come from very challenging spaces like congo right all these places that are full of war and tribes and so if we don't take care of the peace in those countries as a business we may have a disruption in our supply chain if this thinking is just incorporated by even 5% of the businesses on the planet to look at their own supply chain and invest in those communities to build peace and harmony the world will be a much better place i agree and i also would just you know there's part of me that understands the business benefit to this but there's also a big part of me i mean i've grown up in australia where we have a lot of mining sites mining companies on indigenous land and part of me as someone who resonates with this idea of peace just wishes that also companies would take responsibility for doing the right thing for human beings because it's the right thing to do and i know that's a lot to ask <laughs> you know i think speaking to it in a way that says you know this is good for our supply chain and good for these these um countries is so powerful but i also just think you know as a human being connecting to other human beings i inherently just want the best for my brothers and sisters around the world as well that will only come when people are more self aware when people start questioning what what am i doing what is my organization but uh, from a business point of view if you are in the mining and extractives industry uh most projects get delayed because of what is called non technical risk it's not a technical risk it's a non technical risk and that is why people invest in corporate social responsibility but that is most of the times lip service and it goes to the places and the leaders that actually don't help the case they are actually delaying even more because of all the social evils like corruption and blah 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 bribes and etc so we uh, we have to reimagine how we do our work and if we really are uh, a business and if uh, civil society is taking an action against us we will be forced to do what is the right thing to do you will be out of business and i think manda that's also where the the component of self awareness is so important as well because i think for leaders to have the courage to be able to make a decision to really invest in um social innovation and uh to you know really invest in reducing for example violence in particular areas and helping people in that way uh they have to take a slightly longer view than i think they might be used to in a corporate setting there's this very short term mentality but when we have that self awareness and i think that uh that just even incrementally increases level of compassion and courage we can see yes this is maybe a 6 month or maybe a longer term investment but it's both going to have um positive impact or you know positive return on investment for our company and for the community and they might even only mention the company when they're reporting that to their boss because that's what matters in that context but it has those that 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 peace driven um implication for the community as well and it also potentially has a a longer impact because when you help reduce the violence for one person and i'm thinking of the beautiful documentary that you made 
uh, about you know bringing people who've experienced a lot of violence in their lives, taking them to to India, giving them this really profound sort of insight into into the practices you teach. It it doesn't just impact one generation; it impacts the next too. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. It's a flow on when, when one person, and that's, you know, what's so beautiful about what you said, Sal, it comes back to Manda's earlier point that it's not about talking about empathy and compassion or peace. It's about experiencing it. And when you experience that in your heart and for yourself, it is impossible, impossible to not show up in that way. Yeah, Sally, uh, you, I mean, you're bringing very good points. Uh, Self-awareness is the missing link. In all kinds of work and professions, like nursing, my mother was in uh, ICU, she's okay now, but when she was in ICU a few months ago, I wanted the best nurse for her. And I started wondering, like, who is taking care of the nurse? Right? So now we need to look at systems, like the hospital system. It has been overwhelmed last two years. The law enforcement system, overwhelmed. We take it for granted that people who do this are doing it, uh, you know, they are stress-free, they are happy. They may not be. I think that is where as civil society, as change makers, we have to really look at where can we promote inner peace where it's needed the most. Right? And uh, if each one of us makes a commitment that, okay, in my life, at least five people, I will give this gift of inner peace. Right? Uh, I think the world will be a much better place because it's the inaction of people who are peaceful that is creating havoc. (laughs) If peaceful people just say, you know, I'll be more dynamic in my work, I'll bring peace in my workplace, I'll bring peace in my community. And uh, second observation from your comment about the extractives world is oftentimes, you know, like I said, I never met evil people at Shell. I did not. Well, maybe a few. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) They were detached from their true nature, Manda. That's all they were. They needed guiding home. So usually, you know, (laughs) the communities and uh, extractive industry also has a lot of friction. And uh, what I would like to encourage people who are listening is bringing people together who are seemingly opposites and creating a space for them to heal and talk is also peace building. Because unless there is peace within their hearts, unless their emotions are managed, unless their trauma is healed, Just bringing them together is not enough because then the past trauma will say, hey, you hurt me because I hurt you and then your uncle hurt my uncle. So I think that is where, again, I'm interested these days. I bring people together from seemingly opposite sides. Go through this program that I have created, uh, the Cities for Peace program. Uh, It will be lovely to do this in a partnership with a business Uh, extractives for example because only through healing the trauma and empathizing and being compassionate the business will also understand what the community is saying and you know when you invoke that compassion uh, it just is is lifelong like you know you can't go back to 
who you are. Yeah, really experiencing that that space, that safe space. I think to sort of, you know, both sides often can come whether it's corporate or, or community. You know, whatever it is, they'll come with some triggers and with their own trauma on whatever level that might be, and being able to have that space to not react simply to the triggers that we give each other, but to take deep breaths and allow that space between the situation and our response, you know, really leaning into that space to, uh, to come from that innate the love and peace that is our, that is our nature. Um, I'm curious, Mandari, I know you've been involved uh, in so many beautiful uh, social innovation projects around the world, and I'm curious which... Uh, experience, and it might be with a group or even with an individual, which experience has really resonated most for you? I think uh, my experience of uh, teaching meditation practices to uh, survivors of uh, violence. Uh, last year I reached out online. That's the beauty. The one good thing of the pandemic is you could reach out to anybody online. I reached out to a lady in Charlottesville, Virginia, where uh, her daughter had been uh, murdered in a very tragic incident during a rally that happened. Uh, Susan, her name is Susan. And I shared with her on Zoom some of this wisdom and breath, breath exercises. She was open-minded enough to watch my module, come and speak with me, learn, and she wrote to me five days later that I've been doing your program, the practices you have taught, and it has helped me a lot. And that uh, was very comforting for me because as a parent losing a child, uh, yeah, it's horrible. It's a horrible experience. Uh, so but that one thing comes. And second thing is what I shared before we started talking is uh, last year I also taught somebody who has been... 44 years in prison and uh, very very heavy life but when you when when I spoke with uh, with him for almost three hours without a break we shared our life story and our life story of what is happening now in our life both lives is the same and so uh, what he shared with me is, uh, you know, the first violent act that he did was with a child abuser. And he couldn't stand what was what he was seeing. And out of that anger and rage, he just... I felt like, look at, look at how justice is served or not served. Like, the intention behind his violent act was a good intention. Uh, I would like uh, him to live on my street to take care of my <laughs> daughter and mother and people that live here. And uh, so that is where we have to be compassionate and reimagine our, uh, you know, criminal justice systems because there is a lot of there also. And uh, people are not all criminals, all seemingly incarcerated people are not uh, horrible in human beings. In fact, my experience is they are amazing human beings. They just did not know how to manage their negative emotion. And they were not, they did not get a loving hand of support or guidance. Because, I mean, we are all, we, are, we all make mistakes. We just don't get caught. So imagine somebody who has got caught, 
they are brave we are not brave because we fear making a mistake why because we feel if i am caught i'll go to jail they have no fear they have overcome they are courageous all we need to do is now to reimagine their purpose they say okay use that courage because people like me are not courageous we are not making mistakes because of fear you have the courage you take a bigger mission in life i think that guidance uh, needs to be given in a very like loving space uh, so i hope that answers your question i got very emotional so my voice was low <laughs> it's beautiful yeah i agree with sally manda it makes so much sense and you know i think we could have another entire conversation there on another day around how we can support one another and you know i know we spoke a little bit before we started recording our conversation today around some of the incredible work you've done in prison systems and around gun violence and things like that and it's obviously a very topical topical and a very sensitive topic but you know you alluded to the fact that we're often just one decision different from people who end up in prison versus not and that one decision is how we choose to either react or regulate our emotions and you know there have been moments i'm sure in all of our lives where we felt such a heightened state of fear of anxiety of stress of grief where you think you know if that were my family i i would do i don't know how i would act so you know we're human beings in the end and i think that i just want to acknowledge how powerful what you've just said is and i think there's in the world right now so much otherness so much them and us um political party this political party that and i think that when we can see other human beings for what they are human beings we can come from a place of empoweredness to help them and to connect with them and and truly be a vehicle for peace so thank you so much for sharing that mandira and you know i just want to you know perhaps wrap our conversation up here today and i would just love to give you an opportunity mandira you've you've given us so many nuggets of just wisdom and and peace and love and potent gold but do you have a key message that you would like to leave with our listeners today you know what's your key message that you'd want to share with a leader right now that they could they could impart or bring into the way that they they operate i feel like everyone is a leader so just the name and title and position doesn't make you a leader and every leader needs to be a change maker so you know when you sit for meditation practice it's just spending time with yourself that is what meditation is if we are human beings in meditation we are just being we are not doing anything just sitting with your eyes closed and being in nature can also be a meditative experience so every leader needs to become a change maker when their eyes are open when your eyes are closed you sit for meditation you say everything is perfect this is how the world should be only then you can have a deep meditative experience and when your eyes are open you should say hey this is not okay this is not okay i need to fix it usually we do the other way around right when our eyes are open we say okay i'm who's going to care like i it's okay and when our eyes are closed we keep worrying about problems like okay she did sit this to me and nap me and say oh, i have so many thoughts 
so we just need to flip it around and you know find that inner stillness and let it lead to outer dynamism so calibrate your own purpose by saying hey today did i make one person peaceful did i make myself peaceful and you know just take it one day at a time we all have thunderstorms in our life so you can't change the whole world but you can change your world you can change the people you can influence so i hope that helps and you guys are doing a fantastic job so keep keep making these inroads thank you manda thank you so much manda i think that's what you spoke to as well that sense of community is certainly something that we uh love about human leaders as being a safe place for people to share these ideas and to grow uh together uh and uh share this journey. Thank you so much for your time. It's been a delight and um let's talk again soon. As a special gift for us at the We Are Human Leaders podcast, Manda has agreed to share one of his profound breath exercises with us. So if you're in a car or operating heavy machinery, please pull over and stop. Wherever you are, make yourself comfortable and let's delve into this beautiful practice. And let's close our eyes. Spine straight. Hands on the laps, palms facing upward. Let's take a normal breath in. And breathe out. Once again, normal deep breath in. And slowly breathe out. Let go. Now let us put our right palm on our chest and the left palm on our navel. Keeping the eyes closed, let's take a breath in. without forcing it at the same time making it full not shallow fill up your belly stomach navel let the breath fill up then your chest your lungs and breathe out and notice the lungs collapse the diaphragm collapses and you can keep breathing out till your navel you can squeeze in and then breathe in bloat your stomach keep breathing in expand your chest and breathe out relax your chest relax your navel just like you fill a balloon at your own pace continue breathing notice the movement of the belly outward then notice the chest expand and breathe out relax your chest muscles and squeeze your navel in continue on your own five more rounds breathe in with a smile welcome the breath just like you welcome a guest in your home 
with a big smile. And as you breathe out with gratitude, this may be your last breath. Honor your own breath. Breathe out. Continue on your own. Don't forget to smile. Breathe in. And breathe out. Three more rounds. Once again, don't force the breath. At the same time, take full breath. All the way to the chest. Breathe out. Two more rounds. Breathe in with a smile. And let go. Final round. Breathe in. And breathe out. Keeping your eyes closed, let's relax the hands on the laps and notice the sensations in the body. Notice any warmth, any tingling. Notice your breath. And notice the state of your mind. Our breath is the source of our life. No breath, no life. With a smile, breathe in and let go. Become aware of your surroundings. Become aware of your body and rolling your neck a few times clockwise and a few times anti-clockwise. Slowly and gradually moving your shoulders, moving your fingers and toes stretching your body, twisting your spine, 
whenever you feel complete we may open the eyes that was lovely even i went in a trance <laughs> oh that's so beautiful that was uh, i really wish i could do this with you live every day <laughs> Thanks for being part of this potent conversation with Manda Apti on the power of mindful leadership. As Manda mentioned in his closing comments of the conversation, as a global leadership community, we can support each other to mobilize for change as we each have the individual responsibility for being the change that we wish to see in the world. If you resonated with this conversation and want to connect with others sharing your journey of human leadership, We invite you to join us at www.wearehumanleaders.com. We hope you enjoyed listening to this conversation as much as we did having it. See you again very soon.